Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Linda M is a singer-songwriter from Johannesburg, South Africa. Unencumbered by the idea of genre, Linda focuses on feeling and authenticity and is driven to create music that not only speaks for itself, but that can also speak for others. And he's in studio with me. Hi, Linda. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah. First time doing a podcast. So really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm glad it's me. Ah. I'm glad it's you. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, music. Yes. Why? What drew you here? Yo, I feel like I asked myself that question. Mm. It's one of those things that I keep saying that uh, sometimes something chooses you and you don't necessarily have a choice. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times I find myself thinking, I wish I didn't want to, mm. but I have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's one of those I have to things. It doesn't really... Something that I chose. Yeah. It happened to me. And now I'm here. And what is your musical background? Were you self-taught or did you study? Uh, self-taught. And then I did a year at Vits. Mm-hmm. It was in 2015. So right in the thick of Feasmus Fall. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. <laughs> that was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then after that year, um, I had to drop out. Okay. And from there on, I just... Played gigs, did my thing. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Wonderful. And your parents into music? Into, yes. Historically, I think uh, my granddad was in a band. Oh. I'm not sure. I remember stories from um, when I was younger. He told me stories about when he was in a band. And my grandfather's brother-in-law, mm-hmm. he is a saxophonist. So that's like, I think that's the extent. Super of, cool. Yeah. My uncle was a DJ and at some point he was a rapper. Yeah, fabulous. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those little tidbits here and there, but nothing quite like what I'm doing, unfortunately. <laughs> and you're a full-time musician. I am. And you are making things happen for yourself. You are totally DIY, independent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. So it's a little tough being um, independent, but it's also tough like trying to get someone to back you, you mm. know. So I think it came from the necessity of putting something out, of actually working. So everything I do, I kind of do with my friends. I work a lot with my friend uh, Rob Storm or Kid Neko. He used to play uh, drums for me for Broadway, for New Academics, all these incredible bands. Mm. And now he produces... And we work on a lot of music together. And yeah, just sharing a vision with that guy is like, oh, it's it's like thinking out loud. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I just put something down and then he understands it and like we work on it together. And it, the idea just sort of like grows into something that I didn't imagine, but like I couldn't imagine it any better, mm-hmm. you know? So it came from that. And actually, I also um, work with a friend of mine, Kyle September, mm-hmm. and we run like a booking agency, kind of. Mm-hmm. We book shows and we do corporates. 
and we uh, hire gear, all these really, um, well, the, the boring part mm-hmm. of the music the industry. essential <laughs> stuff that people don't see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we do all of that as well. And yeah, our company is called um, Takeoff Entertainment. Started during lockdown mm-hmm. as uh, a way to do something because we had nothing to do. Mm. So we started streaming on Facebook and we made this company Takeoff Entertainment. And yeah. Recently, we started booking shows and it's been busy. Good. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's been interesting. (laughs) I mean, I see you playing kind of everywhere on the scene. I'm trying. I really am. I wish there was more places to play with bands, Mm -hmm. but I I really am trying to play everywhere. I'm trying to make more spaces for people to play. That's like my number one mission. If, If we could find a space where we know that, say, every Friday or every Saturday, if you walk into this venue, you'll find live music that would be oh amazing that's that's the dream but until then yeah I mean actually maybe you're a great person to talk to about the Joburg scene because you're on it and you're making things happen and I find that a lot of people call me from outside Joburg to say where is there to play in Joburg we're trying to book a tour yeah and they're coming from Cape Town where there are some great venues operational yeah. in Cape Town. And there's a place, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know, the House of Machines. Yeah. And they have live music pretty much almost every night. I don't think on a Monday. Oh, but wow. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's that, right. You know, and you go onto their Instagram stories and you can click through mm-hmm. and they tell you who's playing every night that week. That's amazing. It's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. That's so rare. I yeah. don't think we even have it here. No. I think we have it. Sonage has i think from wednesday they have mm. music but every day mm. with the exception of monday whoa yeah and on tuesday it's um i think they do a, an open mic sort of evening but mm. it's not even an open mic you know you're going to get great people exactly. so it's like people are coming and they're testing new material and that's what we need to do here we do we do we need like a, a safe space for artists yeah where they can feel like they can um Kind of work on their craft. Yes. Because I think a lot of artists in Joburg are so distrapped monetarily. Yes. That they don't make enough time for the creative side, mm-hmm. you know. So you find a lot of uh, people that are incredible artists. Yeah. In a corner of a restaurant playing covers. Yes. And we don't, we don't make space Mm-mm. for artistry. We don't make space for all of that. And it's just, ah. Totally. And I suppose in Joburg here, part of the challenge is that dance music, rock bands, punk, those are seem to be better supported than singer-songwriters. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think yeah. mostly dance music. And singer-songwriters are kind of like relegated to this uh, position of background music. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't know, I kind of miss, miss the days of being able to come into a room and find a person on a stool with a guitar. Yeah. Doing a thing. Uh, and doing original things. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's so it's so rare now. That's wild. That it kind of makes me sad. Like, yeah. we don't even have a day. We don't even have, like, a, you know, like a Thursday where you can walk into a venue and be like, oh, yeah, of course, it's happening at yeah. wherever. Yeah. Well, we must, I can hear you already doing it, but we must do it. Let's do it. Let's create a scene in Joburg. Of course. Okay, good. Yeah. Linda's the guy to follow, guys. <laughs> He's on it. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, three to five highlights of your music career so far. Three to five highlights. Oh, I already have one. Tell me. This year, 
I played the splashing main stage. Oh my gosh, amazing. That is a huge highlight. Mm. I had the most incredible time. It was one of those things where, you know, you expect to be nervous. Mm-hmm. But as soon as, like, I got up there, it was just like, it almost feels like, um, it feels like it was a dream, you know. Mm. And it kind of like, it ended as quickly as it started. And that's the only thing that sucks is that you can't really, like, grab it. You can't yes. put it, like, you can't put it in your pocket, you know. No, 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 it's over. <laughs> it's in over moments, before yeah. you know it. Yeah. Um, Did you play full band? I played full band. Amazing. I played, um, here's another thing with my band. There's uh, quite a few of us. Yeah. So we don't really get big enough stages. For the first time, I had a stage that could fit my band like comfortably. So when you say quite a few of you, how many of you? Eight of us. Oh my gosh. Tell me your lineup. (laughs) There's you and you sing and? I I sing and play guitar. Yeah. And Atingaba on trombone. Mm -hmm. There's Godfrey, whose surname I've forgotten. I know, I know we call him (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) Um, Godfrey is on saxophone. There is Matthew Chadwick, my guitarist. Um, there's Luke, Luke Wolfcoot mm-hmm. on bass. There is Dean Barrett on keys. And there is Nick Bjorkman on drums. Yes, yeah, seven of us. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. I cannot wait to come and watch you play full band. Uh, I would love for you to watch us. We need to find a stage, a big enough stage. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> and more <laughs> festivals. Oh, yeah. We need way more festivals. So, before we get back to the rest of your list, mm-hmm. you'll say it's splashy. Did yes. someone film it? We were meant to. Mm-hmm. We were meant to, but um, something happened with the GoPro that we were using, yes. and I think uh, I think it, it just wasn't charged long enough. Yeah. Oh, oh I know what happened. <laughs> we were waiting for the last song. To, oh. we, were, we were waiting to record the last song, and unfortunately, we ran out of time, oh. so we couldn't play the last song, which is oh, no. also unfortunately the, the most important song in the set. Oh, no. <laughs> I, know. I was so bummed. And they cut you off. They cut me off, oh, unfortunately. No. But it's it is what it is. It's just uh, n- the nature of some of uh, the performances. Mm. Um, so we didn't get a video of mm. that. It would have been ah. Uh, that, oh. that would have been the, the, the icing, you mm, know. Mm. But unfortunately, we missed that. Now um, we're just going to have to come watch you. I enough. mean. Reason enough. <laughs> okay. Other highlights. Other highlights. Um, this one was more of a sentimental one. It was my friend Carl September. He was doing a launch of his uh, album called Daydream. And we were doing a more intimate performance at the Linden Theatre. Yeah. And I did the song, the, the important song is called This Gospel. And essentially it speaks about institutionalized racism and like bigotry and all of that. And that also connects with like conservatism and, and like Christianity and all of that. And when I did the song, I started it off by like explaining why I wrote it. Mm. And you could see like the energy change in the room, like immediately. And it was kind of, it's weird for me to call it a highlight because you could visibly see people get uncomfortable, mm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. they kind of like their faces changed. And there was this one lady that even like sat down because she got like visibly like taken aback. Mm. And then we started performing it. 
And for some reason, I was just like overwhelmed with all of the emotions from the performance, from having the band on there, for from like knowing that I wrote the song in a very specific mindset. And now I'm here presenting it in like the way that I would intend to, mm-hmm. you know, going forward. And just everything hit me all at once. And I just started like weeping while I was like playing it. I couldn't even get like halfway through without like breaking up. And I don't know, it just felt super special. It just felt, mm. it felt like one of those moments that you can't really yeah. get again, you know? Yep. It was, yeah, it, it's just something that I still think about. Even when I'm performing that song, I'm like, I, yeah, I love all the performances of it because it, it's, it's my favorite song that I've written, you know? Mm. But that, that moment. moment, that was something else. That was, Beyond anything, I think I'll get to. I suspect that if you keep doing this, mm. your career will be marked by moments like that. Yeah. Magic. Yeah, yeah. Third highlight. Oh, third highlight. Oh, third highlight was last year. It was the week of Halloween, and we were playing Smoking Kills, and. Short Straw was playing that night. And for some reason, we just played the most incredible set ever. It was just phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) It was just amazing. We were all surprised. Yeah. Because Smoking Kills has like the small room and with small rooms, you know, it's very hard to like control the sound. And it was just like we were also cramped up on stage because at that point there were six of us and it was just... A lot of stuff that we had to work through. Even our bassist was unavailable, so we had to have someone like as a stand-in. Mm. But even after all of that, we just had the most fantastic time. Fantastic. And then at the end, there was a, a, a building next door. We just went up to like the roof of that building, and we just sat there, and we were all like, that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't explain why it was so incredible, but it was like it. It just was. Wonderful. <laughs> and now you've just released an EP. I have, yes. What is it called? It's called uh, The Four of Wands. Yeah. And it's essentially um, the second part of a trilogy that I'm working on. Ah, oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. There's the three parts of myself. Yeah. There's the first part of myself, the singer-songwriter that really wanted people to like get me like I want you like I want you to get me I want you to understand me mm. um, no one gets me you know mm-hmm. the angst yeah there was angst that came with a lot of sad mm. so those songs kind of encapsulate that part of my life where I was still navigating the person that I was the person that I wanted to be mm-hmm. you know all these these nuances about like the, how I was feeling which was mostly Sad. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Four of Wands is essentially coming into the person that I want to be. Mm-hmm. It's uh, growing up. It's celebrating who I am. It's uh, being excited for growth, you know. And it's about, like, basically pushing through those growing pains and being like, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's far more to, to explore, yeah. you know. And then the third one, which I need to get on, mm-hmm. 
it, that's going to be about um, essentially extending myself. Yeah. Going beyond the person that I want to be. Discovering what else I could learn. Discovering what else I could teach. Mm. You know, being more than just a person that writes songs. Yeah. You know, uh, I feel like, especially in South Africa, there's a lot of music that's there for the sake of music. Like mm. it's there because we are writing songs and it kind of bums me out that there was this, uh, rich culture of like protest music and this rich culture of like music with a ton of like messaging that's just sort of evaporated. Yeah. And I, I wonder why it happened. I wonder where all these incredible songs went. Yeah. And I kind of want to capture that again and be like, well, here it is. Yeah. It's existed throughout our entire history. It existed with Hugh Masekela. It existed with Mary Makeba, with Letambule. If you look back into South Africa's music history, you find that there's a ton, like a ton mm. of music that speaks for people and we're just not doing it anymore yeah and it's like it's 2023 there's a lot to say yeah <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't seen the world if you haven't scrolled through social media and looked at the hellscape that we're living in yeah. there's a whole lot to say but we're just not for some reason yeah and we're the artists we're distracted by load shedding <sighs> Load shedding and memes. Yeah. <laughs> so the two things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I just, uh, I just wish people had that, you know, that, that fire in their belly. Mm. They just wanted to be visibly angry, mm. you know, but I, I think maybe it's a symptom of, um, just of, of how long we've been angry. Maybe. Because maybe, maybe this, these years of anger has led us to like, I don't want to say apathy, but no, no. Sad. I mean, if I think about it on a physiological level, mm-hmm. when you go through periods of stress, yeah, for a sustained amount of time, it becomes chronic stress, yeah. And now your adrenal system eventually taps out, yeah, and says, "I've got nothing left," because you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and you, and then you have nothing. How many second and third wins you can have, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it does, it causes massive internal physiological damage anyway. But I can imagine that for the music and for the protest songs, everyone's tired. Yeah. Yeah. But they follow the artists and that's an artist's job is to lead the way. Exactly. Exactly. If it isn't us, then who's it going to be? No, no, it's your job to grapple with things, mm. the things that people are uncomfortable, as you saw in those shows. People get uncomfortable, and that's maybe sometimes the first step to healing. Yeah, yeah. Um, discomfort, mm. seeing it, you know, yeah, and, and kind of like sitting in it for a while because we spend a lot of time trying not to think about it, trying yep. to pretend like it's not a thing, like it doesn't exist, like it's intangible. Mm. When it is, it's very, it's very much there. <laughs> it's mm. right in front of us. And if we as artists don't point it out or speak about it, or if we're too afraid to align ourselves, then I think, I think we're just, we're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. 
because we have the platform we have we have the resources to actually bolster voices yeah and we're just like <laughs> sitting on a sideline being like oh well you can you can dance to this yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't think about it just dance yeah <laughs> yeah and i suppose uh, jobbook is tough so people like to dance rather than think yeah I'm not saying everybody in Joburg doesn't think. Obviously, I'm not saying that. Oh, no. Everyone is so tuned in in Joburg that when it comes to consuming art, mm. they probably want to tune out at yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a nice way to think of it, actually. Yeah. But what that also kind of like leaves room for is not grasping any other form of perspective because you're so wound up thinking about your perspective of the one thing that when another perspective shows up you're like ah i'm so exhausted from consuming it myself even if someone else is like speaking about it i kind of want to like take a break yeah but i think it's also important to make room for other perspectives i think it's important to make room for other voices even if they sound like your own yeah you know? just give room let everyone speak and then let's go dance a hundred percent. Now, your songwriting process. Let's say you're writing one of these songs. Mm. How does how does it come to you, and how do you evolve it musically into what it eventually becomes on an EP? So, my songwriting process is kind of all over the show. Mm. I think I heard um, John Mayer speak about this concept of like playing using the, the musical Ouija board. Mm. So it's kind of like finding a phrase or finding like something on an instrument and then playing that and then finding like a rhythmic or melodical phrase mm. and sticking with it until something comes around. A lot of the time it's that. A lot mm -hmm. of the time it's just like essentially grasping into like from the air like mm -hmm. grabbing things from thin air and trying to fit them in yeah. seeing what works seeing what doesn't you know but when it comes to songs like this gospel that song i kind of i don't know what happened actually it all came out as it is you know mm -hmm. and i wrote the song i wrote the lyrics first before i wrote the music and i never do that mm. i've never done that yeah. since i i don't know i find it too hard but with that song, I kind of wrote wrote it like in one go, and then I grabbed the guitar and there was um an arrangement of a song that I used to use. Uh, I used to use the arrangement to play a cover of a song. It isn't the original arrangement; mm. it's something I came up with, and I just plugged that arrangement onto this thing. Yeah, and it worked. Yep, and it was just one of those things that came to life amazing like it already existed it was there <laughs> it was just there yeah, and you and pulled I, it down i pulled it down i just wrote it and i played it i was like oh beautiful this is what i uh, this i've been trying to say this <laughs> beautiful i've been trying to say this and i didn't know how to say it and now i'm saying it and it kind of you know and my favorite part of the song which is the bridge i had to write myself i had to like think about and like kind of look for the words and all of it came from frustration, essentially, you know. And after writing this bridge, I was like, it, you know, one of those moments when you kind of sit back and you like laugh because you're like, how, how, mm. <laughs> how do, you, how do you even string words like this together? Yep, I do know that. 
I had that moment and I kind of sat back and I was like, okay, this, this is the song. Mm. You know? Unfortunately, I still haven't recorded it. No. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's for the third part of the trilogy. Yeah, it is. It is the, I think it is the, um, I think it'll be the closer of the third part of the trilogy. I think mm-hmm. it'll be the, um, the little period mm-hmm. to the, the sentence. Yeah. To be like, okay, this is the person that I am now. Yeah. And this is a person who I'm going to be going forward to kind of like end my introduction because mm-hmm. I feel like this trilogy of EPs is going to be my introduction to people being like, Hey, this is Lindo. <laughs> and so the track that we will play the shout with Matador. Yes. Is that from this new EP? Yes. That's Oof. from the I second, the, the second installment. The Matador is also a really interesting one. It came after, um, like a very pivotal part of my life. Mm. And I felt kind of, it was also after, um, lockdown. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt kind of, Alien, yeah, in the world, you know, when you're like you're you're trying to find your feet again, you you like you're learning how to have conversation again, and it's weird because mm. yeah, because <laughs> you're like interacting with people and you haven't seen people in so long. So for some reason, I just felt very guilty about my personal interpersonal interactions. Mm. I felt um, clumsy in my communication. I felt clumsy in my grasping of my own personality you know i felt like i was still i was learning to be myself again and it was weird because i was just sort of like bumping around and and things were breaking around me and i was like oh i'm I'm not spatially i'm not spatially aware Mm -hmm. of like my emotions yeah and so i wrote the song kind of trying to encapsulate that feeling of not being spatially aware of like your emotions and not being spatially aware of you and your body and who you are and trying to get into grips with that, you know? Mm. And I wrote it, um, guitar, me guitar. That's how I wrote it. And it it was like pretty sad. And I didn't know what to do with it. I wasn't sure how to like put it together. And I remember I was working on a couple of demos with Danny Helsing. We Mm. were putting together a whole slew of demos so that they're all down. So in case at some point, you know, I want to record, I can mm. just like go back to reference, uh, go back and reference that. Right. And for weeks, I didn't know what to do with the song. I couldn't get it to sound like I felt it. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel right. Even yeah. with just the guitar and the voice, it felt like a certain song. It felt very different from what it is. Mm. But it wasn't the song. Uh-huh. And then I think it was one day I, I was listening to like drum and bass out mm. of nowhere. Like I, I think I was like at a club or something and the drum and bass started playing and I was like, ah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there it is. That's the thing. It's, it's completely out. It's completely when you think about the context of the lyrical thing and you think about the context of the, you know, what I'm trying to do metaphorically with it Mm. and then you think about this music i feel like it makes sense yeah because it's fast it's like it's hard it kind of feels chaotic and that's the the feeling of being unaware of yourself yeah you know Mm. and when it came together i was like yes 
Oh, that's wonderful. That's... It's a great track. Ah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Have you done the touring scene yet around the rest of the country? I haven't. I want to, mm-hmm. actually. I kind of want to do it, I don't want to say quietly, mm-hmm. but I want to I do it like quietly. I want to do it um, in a more intimate way. A little coastal tour that's kind of casual, you know. And I know that Marie and Tabatsi have just finished what yes. looked like a beautiful coastal oh, tour. I am. I was so jealous. Of that. <laughs> it looks so amazing. It does look amazing. I'm looking forward to hearing the stories and songs that come from it. Oh, same, same. And I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Senna, and I'm a massive fan of Tabatsi. Yeah, me too. I even remember there was a period of time where. Senna stopped gigging for a while, I think for like two, two, three years. And every time I'd see her, I'd be, I'd be like, please, <laughs> stop doing this, please. <laughs> please come back. And then she came back and she dropped that EP and she did all those things. I was like, yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. She's making some beautiful stuff. <laughs> oh, she is. She absolutely is. I am, yo, such a, I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. and I couldn't be prouder of a friend making music that speaks mm-hmm. the whole thing that we've been talking about. Yeah. She makes music that really, really, really speaks. Yeah. And it's incredible. I think that both of you are doing brave things. Remind me of each other. <laughs> Thank you. That's absolutely high praise. <laughs> advice. I mean, I'm going to say advice for young indie creators. You are yourself a young indie creator. I am. But what advice would you have? Keep doing it. Keep doing it and bet on yourself. There's a lot of hesitancy and there's a lot of want to kind of like change to fit a mold that's kind of like more accessible or a mold that's more, I don't want to say popular, but I think that's the word. Yeah. Don't do that. Bet on yourself. Authenticity always wins. And you only fail when you stop trying. Just go. Just do it. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> Do it to me. Stop breathing. <laughs> I love it. South African musical hero. Um, dead or alive? Dead or alive. Mm. It's a bit of a, ooh, it's a bit of a toss-up between three. Uh-huh. Tell me. It's a bit of a toss-up between uh, Brenda Farsi, mm-hmm. Limo Matosa, and um, Tani Zwai. Three incredible female artists. I can't even explain how large and how vast their voices are and they all speak mm-hmm. especially Tandiswa Tandiswa Mazwai is the reason why I came to be inspired to write music that like speaks for mm-hmm. people and speaks and speaks truth to power and speaks truth to establishment she's punk yeah. <laughs> it's one of the, you know, when I, when I think about that, I think about like punk music. Yeah. You know, I think about the true protest music, the true anti-establishment, anti-fascist, you know, the, the real, um, pushback to oppression. That's what I think about. Yeah. She's punk and I love her for it. And she's an inspiration. Amazing. Um, along with, Lebu and Brenda. Brenda Fassi just, Brenda Fassi wrote the greatest song in South African history in my mind. And that's Weekend Special. Uh-huh. Oh, Musically, amazing. that is like, how? Yeah. Who comes up with How that? does that song exist? How does it? Yeah. What? Yeah. It's like, jeez. 
<laughs> now, speaking of punk, mm-hmm. do you have any merch? I'm working on merch, and mm-hmm. I do have merch. I have um, copies of my first EP. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those things that you're going to have to find me in the world. Yes. No, exactly. No, yeah. 100%. So this, is, this was not even a question about where can we buy your merch. It was what kind of merch are you excited about creating? Really? Oh, okay. So I, I'm very big on sustainability. Mm-hmm. I'm very big on thrifting as well. So... In terms of clothing, like mm. physical merch, I'm working on merch that is basically repurposed from uh, thrifting, like thrift things, and then I repurpose them where I add embroidery, I um, add prints and stuff just to make them, basically give them a second life and also add my own wow. you know, identity to it so that you understand that it's, oh, this is Lindo M merch, yeah, but it's also something that doesn't come from like a factory. No, that's like, so I'm, cool. I'm not trying to, you know, put things in landfills. That is so <laughs> cool. And actually, for my first Opie Copy I played, it was right near the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. We went and bought secondhand white T-shirts and different style shirts wherever we could find them. Yeah. And we had a silk screen made. And I spent days hand silk screening every that's, single uh, one of those T-shirts. Yeah. The guys at the merch store at Opie Copy wanted to throttle me because they couldn't do it in packs of everything the same. It all had to be hung there and people had to look at them and choose. Yes. They, it, it is probably the bane of their existence. <laughs> so not a great thing to do for a festival. Yeah. But actually, I love that you're doing it. It is uh, so cool. I love that you did it. <laughs> I, I didn't think that I'd ever meet someone that actually did the idea because mm. my, my thought was, Okay, how do you make merch that's cool enough to wear outside the context of the music? Totally. You know, I want clothes that people can wear without thinking about, oh, I'm wearing this band's thing. You know, band name on shirt just doesn't cut it, Uh you know. And then also, how do I not perpetuate the problem of fast fashion? How do I not just bulk buy all these white shirts that eventually are going to tear, yeah. that they're, uh, they're going to get thrown away and they're not going to be recycled. Yep. How do I prevent that as well? Well, you did it. Well, you are doing it. And that is so <laughs> exciting. So now you're going to have to go and watch Linda because you have to buy some merch, firstly. You got to. <laughs> You've got to go that. see his band. We're going to find venues and stages. And... Um, you're going to follow him on social media. What is a social media link? Just the one that you most use. Um, probably Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's uh, at Acoustic Lindo M. Wonderful. Yeah. And it applies to everywhere. Same handle. Yeah. Same mm-hmm. handle everywhere because I'm too lazy to think of no. any other handle. No, it's the best. <laughs> no, that's definitely the best thing to do to do it's the same everywhere. Streamline everything. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Very last question. What were you listening to on your way over here? What was I listening? Oh, my goodness. I haven't listened to anything today. I was listening what? to a podcast, actually. That's amazing. Yes. It's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts. It's called My Brother, My Brother and Me. Mm-hmm. And it's just three brothers being funny. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Fabulous. I think currently I'm listening to a lot of jazz. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it. 
I'm having a good time listening yeah. to a lot of jazz. <laughs> yeah. Well, Linda, I look forward to seeing you out and about in Joburg. I look forward to seeing you as well. Yeah, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. If you are an independent artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on shotguntory.com. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. Days are much harder. Hours feel further apart. Everyone's made out of porcelain. And I'm a bull in a china shop. Hurts so easily. Skin feels thinner than it was. Everyone's made out of porcelain. And I'm a bull in a china shop. See these horns here down Yet they look like the devil's world I've been cursed with comfort And your heart is a listener You're so sensitive I was better when I was by myself Things seem easier when I'm on my own Find someone else Everything goes red Who's the metaphor? Do I tackle everybody? Hope I fall on a sword Put it on myself I hurt everyone Now you've got someone to blame Am I just a thumb and a thumb? But you wish I was never gone Well of course I'm harmless Everybody's made out of porcelain And I'm a bull in a china shop